Town Bank Mortgage, NMLS number 512138, is an equal housing lender. This podcast is for informational purposes only. And now, the man born with a 5 o'clock shadow and with the NMLS number 2028201. He is a gentleman. He is a scholar. He is... Tyler Crawley. Oh, man, we are starting with breaking news. Well, actually, what's kind of funny about this is that it's completely breaking news right now as I'm recording the podcast. It will be old news by the time you are hearing it. Uh, But uh, Sam Bankman Freed, also known as FBF or SBF. Uh, he's not a suntan lotion, not um, not not SPF. Uh, he has been arrested. Everyone wondering when is he going to get arrested? He just got arrested. He just just was arrested. So that was breaking as I was recording, beginning to record the Tuesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am the aforementioned host, Tyler Crawley, and it's kind of weird because. You know, there's there like nothing better than when I was in radio and you'd have like breaking news, like right when you're coming back from a commercial break. It's like, oh, here we go. But uh, I'm not really going to talk about it because by the time you guys are hearing this, um, there'll be a lot more developments, not just my speculation. And that that's why my goal, and I know I've talked about it before, but I'm looking forward to doing some live podcasts. Um, I can't do them on YouTube yet because I don't have enough. Uh, people following me. So if you want to go follow me on YouTube, please do that. I think I have to get the 50. And right now I'm at 21. Then I can stream on YouTube. So I guess until then, if I my that, that that's my goal for the beginning of the year. So that's one of my New Year's resolutions uh, will be to do the show five days a week. And I'm going to stream it. I'm thinking two or three days a week. So that will give me some leeway in some of those other days. You, know, you never know what's going to happen. Some days you just can't. You just you just can't record the show you normally want to. That's just that's just the way life works. And so my goal is two or three days a week. I'm going to stream it. I want to add some other streaming elements to the show, like doing some Instagram lives when you know data is coming out and just kind of giving my my hot take on what is going. So I want to add some new things to all of what I'm doing with markets and mortgages in the new year. But that's one of the things that I want to do. And that way, when news breaks, it'll be like when I'm on the radio. It will actually be I'll actually be talking to people here and now. <laughs> I mean, I love podcasting, but I'll tell you, I miss I miss the live part. And that's why I do the show live tape. You know, I record the show in, in one sitting. I don't um, I don't do the YouTube thing where I you know do multiple takes and mostly because I'm just that good. I don't need to. <laughs> I'm not that conceited. No, I just like it. I like this format a lot better. I think it's more natural. I think it's the way that we talk to each other. And I think the, you know, no stumbles, no jumbling of words, no uh, dead air. Like I just, <laughs> that's kind of normal. That's the way that we talk. And so I figured if I'm recording live to tape, why not be live with a tape. So that's one of my goals for 2023. That's what I am shooting for. But yeah, that's cool. Sam Bakeman Freed. Yep, it's right there on Drudge Report. Looking at it right now. 
<laughs> I like the headline, crypto creep. <laughs> What's funny is that everyone kept being like, when are they going to arrest this guy? When are they going to arrest this guy? I guess they're not going to go after him. It took him two years to arrest the Enron guys. And now maybe that's different because I don't know the inner workings of FTX. I don't know if it was closer to Enron where it was sort of accounting mistakes and fraud versus say, you know, accounting mistakes with there's the, there's actual business model and you had, you know, just them manipulating things and kind of like a little fraud. And then you have not, I mean, obviously fraud's fraud. I'm just saying like a little fraud compared to Bernie Madoff, which is just like hundred percent fraud, like Ponzi scheme. There's no business. I mean, you're just taking money from one person and giving it to another. There's no actual, there's no way to write the, the ship. It's not like, you know, you have a failing business and you're covering up losses, but at one point you were making money. And I mean, the end result might be the same, but I think there is a difference <laughs> to some extent where one was a business that turned into a crime. And so you got to try and figure out and make that case versus a crime syndicate that's just sort of like set up to, to be crime <laughs> to, to do crime <laughs> like the whole thing is just fake and so i'm actually surprised they arrested him this quick i mean it's only been what like a month and so boom i mean i know bernie sanders bernie sanders <laughs> freudian slip um bernie madoff bernie madoff um i hope i said bernie madoff earlier and not bernie sanders as well so uh yeah he's arrested so Good to go. All right, let's move on to some housing data. Okay, we got a big week ahead of us. Big week. We got inflation data today here on Tuesday. We got the Fed decision on Wednesday. And then we got some other central banks decisions on Thursday, as well as U.S. retail sales. So we got a lot going on. This big, big decisions being made and big data uh, being released. Man, the CPI report's going to be. I might try and do a live. So if you're listening to this in the morning, Pay attention to Instagram. Maybe I'll try something. Well, I'm not saying I am. I'm just saying maybe. Keep an eye out if I decide to do anything. All right, let's jump in to one of the big reports, one of the only reports that we got on Monday. And that is one of my favorite reports. That's rate lock volume. You know, I like rate lock volume more so than, say, the mortgage demand that we get weekly, mostly because, you know, when someone's locking in a rate, they are much further in the process. Um, you know, they're, they're actually, I mean, there's actual demand for a mortgage there versus say like mortgage demand. Someone's like, eh, maybe I'll buy a home. Let's start the application. See if I like any homes that are out there. And so it's a little, it, it's definitely a better indicator of what is actually happening, you know, with regards to, like I said, rate locks. I mean, you're in the process you're pretty much committed at that point. It doesn't mean the deal is going to go through. It doesn't mean there might be, you know, a, like, <laughs> a way to pull out of it. That's the word I was going to say. See, look at that. If you, if you cut that out of a YouTube video, there's no fun of me trying to find a word that makes sense. Um, so I like rate lock volume. It's a good indicator. And not surprisingly, in November, this is the Black Knight Mortgage Monitor Report. And it showed that for the eighth straight month in November, rate lock volume fell. And it was a pretty big drop in November, month over month. So we're talking October, November, a 21.5% drop. And when you break the numbers down, it gets worse. I mean, it unfortunately 
gets a lot worse. So purchase demand is down 22.1%. Month over month, year over year, it's now down over 50%. Just barely, 50.2%. Refis continue to plummet, even though they're falling at a slower rate because they're down so much year over year. There's just, you're going to hit a floor at some point. You're never going to have 0%, you know, I guess maybe, to be crazy. Um, you're never going to have none, none, none refis. You're never going to have no refis. There's always going to be some reason why people need to re- refinance their homes, right? Especially cash outs. People need money, even with the higher rate. I mean, it's better than you know, doing cash out on a credit card. So even with the higher rate, it it will make sense. Um, and rate term, um, getting divorced, you got to get the other spouse off the loan, you're, you're okay with paying the higher rate because, my God, you hate that other person so bad. <laughs> so there are a lot of reasons why you're always going to see some aspect of a, a, a refis, no matter what happens with rates. But they're down about as far as you can get. So um, cash outs fell 18.4% month over month. They're now down 86.3% year over year. 80, 86.3%. <laughs> it's a big number. Uh, and then rate terms, of course, they're down 17%, and they're now down 93.2%. I'm not sure if they can keep falling. I mean, like I said, there's always going to be a reason for rate term refinances, um, but we're getting pretty close, I would think, to the floor. I I, I have to imagine that. Uh, and as you can see from the numbers uh Rate lock volume has fallen more than half with total volume now down about 67.8% when you're looking at year over year. I mean, that's that's taking everything into account down 67.8%. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a big drop. But here's something that's interesting. Despite the slowdown, which is apparent in these numbers, credit standards have barely budged, at least for the most part. So purchase loans fell one point to an average of 746. Not a bad credit score, 746. Uh, and are only down about three points from last year. So over this whole year, I mean, talk about a roller coaster. And people who are buying homes, we have only seen the average credit score fall three points. And rate terms, well, interestingly enough, uh, and this kind of makes sense, they were, you know, they held at the same level uh, month over month, 736, and are actually up one point from last year. (laughs) The only outlier are cash outs, which, you know, if you think about it, does kind of make sense. The average credit score fell four points to 686 in November. So, you know, I mean, still in the high sixes, which overall isn't bad, but it's down 40 points from the same time last year. So last year, cash outs, people had much better credit scores. And I mean, let's face it, if you're doing a cash out right now, more than likely you need that money. And so maybe you've maxed out your credit cards and you're like, okay, we, we got to do something about this. We need to get a cash out refi. And so 
you're like, listen, I, I don't mind paying six, wherever rates are, six and a half percent, six and a quarter, whatever. It's better than the 22% or 20% that the credit card's going to charge me if I do a cash advance or just whatever, just the, the balance that I'm holding on those cards. So let's do this. And so you're going to assume that the people who are going the cash out route with the higher rates probably have to over want to. It's like, we got to go. We got to do this. And so they're going to go that route. And so it makes sense that you're going to see a lower credit score there. Uh, And then speaking of things, falling prices as rates move up, as volume falls, so are prices. The average loan amount fell 2.2% month over month and is now down 6.1% when compared to the peak in April when it was at 362,000. The average purchase price also fell this month with a 1.3% drop to $414,000. And pretty much my takeaway from this report is, I mean, we all knew it. I mean, this was said by, who is it? Richard Dietz at the National Association of Home Builders, the economist over there. He said, we're in a, we're in a housing recession. He said that three months ago. And there was, I don't want to say controversy, but it was a big soundbite that everyone was talking about. And I would say, you look at this data and you're like, overall rate lock volume demand is down almost 68%. That's a recession. <laughs> What's, is it a depression? <laughs> I don't know. I guess you have to see a bigger drop in prices for that to be the case. But yeah, I mean, things have come to an absolute standstill with regards to the housing market. And here's what's crazy. So here's what's crazy. You have demand just plummeting, plummeting. So you would think, I mean, just basic economics, when demand drops off a cliff, you know, that would push prices down significantly, assuming supply stays the same. But here's the problem. Supply is not staying the same. Supply is falling, not as much as demand, but falling nonetheless. Our weekly report from Altos Research finds a pretty big drop week over week. Um, from the latest report, a 2.5% drop in inventory to 535,000. That means that housing inventory is now down 7.8% from the end of October peak. And that's crazy when you think about it. We're seeing inventory levels fall with demand. I mean, you would think that people would be like, oh my God, I mean, everyone thought we were going to have this inventory Armageddon. In some places you are. I mean, places like Phoenix and Las Vegas and some places in Texas. And you are seeing inventory levels jump significantly higher. But overall, no, there's no inventory glut. This is not 2009. 2010. It's not even 2008 (laughs) in in all honesty, Uh, but it is pushing prices down. Not quickly. Uh, The median home price for a single family home in the U S was down to $415,000. I mean, it's basically unchanged. It fell 0.2%, but now prices are down about 8.6% from the mid June peak. I mean, this, I mean, this housing market is just, it's very bizarre. Because inventory levels are falling, prices are falling, 
and demand is falling. It's like everything is just is falling at the exact same time. Prices, I mean, you would think that prices are falling, demand is falling. You would think that, you know, maybe supply would be going up. No, <laughs> that's not happening. I mean, you just, you just never usually see a housing market where everything is falling at the exact same time, unless you're in an economic recession. And here's the thing. I mean, we did get the Q3 numbers. I mean, so if the definition of a recession is two quarters of, of negative GDP, Q1 was negative, Q2 was negative. Recession. Q3, positive. So are we out of the recession? <laughs> I mean, that's that's one of the um, the problems that we have with sort of these cookie cutter, cookie cutter, there we go, ideas about economics. Because this current state of the economy is just something we've never seen before. You know, the amount of money that we poured into the system, the amount of manipulation that has happened with all of these asset classes. Uh, we have this new asset class, crypto, which, of course, you know, you know, we've seen new ways of investing money before, but it's it's creating new issues. Uh, you know, NFTs and blockchain and technology and, you know, social media companies are finally having to deal with non-zero percent interest rates. The entire time they've been around, rates have been at almost zero. And so you're just seeing all of these changes happening to an economy that just is reacting differently. And by the way, this is all happening with record low unemployment, record amount of job openings. <laughs> I mean, so it's just, it's very weird. It is very weird. And you're seeing that reflected in the housing market with demand, inventory, and prices all falling at the same time. Now, Mike Simonson, CEO of Altos, believes that home prices will fall to about 400,000 before the second week of January. And I think he actually thought it would happen at the end of the year, but the price drop is actually slowing because of what is happening with inventory. Uh, price reductions are now down for the fourth straight week to 42.1%. That is down from the 43.2% peak that we saw in early November. And Simonson argues that inventory levels are low this year, similar to last year, but for very different reasons, like exact opposite reasons. He said, quote, new listings now are 28% fewer than last year at this time. Last year, available inventory was held low because Americans were still buying everything at 3% mortgage rates. Now inventory is so low because sellers are holding back. That's what's happening. And we talked about on the last, the last podcast, um, the impact this is happening on short-term rentals with all these people holding on to these homes instead of listing them because they're like, man, demand's way down. Prices are falling. I'll just hold on. I can afford it. I'll hold on to the house and maybe I'll rent it. And so that's creating new competition for short-term rentals, which of course is putting downward pressure on prices. So all these people who bought all these short-term rental properties on the idea that they were making X amount of money and they've leveraged that position are now let's just say it's not DEFCON one. You know what? I, I do this every time. Is it DEFCON one is bad or is it DEFCON five is bad? <laughs> I never, I, I look it up every time and I always go, I'm always going to remember that. Um, I never remember. Let's see here. Yeah. Okay, DEFCON 1 is the most severe. <laughs> so it's not DEFCON 1 and short-term rentals. We're like DEFCON 3. Maybe like on the edge of DEFCON 4. But it is having an impact. And so it's also having an impact, obviously, on the 
uh, general housing market as well. Okay, so today's a big day. Consumer price index coming out at 8.30. It's projected to fall to 7.3%, which would be down from the 7.7 print that we saw in October. However, because last week we got the PPI, which fell, but not as much as expected. Some are wondering if maybe this number could be disappointing as well, like maybe closer to 7.5. So maybe 7.4, 7.5, a little higher than what we are projecting. I'll tell you, if this number comes in at like seven, I hope you're long in the stock market. <laughs> Dude, they would love that. They would love a number to come in at like 7%. Oh my, can you imagine if it came under six or came under seven? That would be that would be crazy. So we will see. Big report out tomorrow. We'll be talking about it on the Wednesday edition of Markets and Mortgages. We got to go. You guys enjoy your Tuesday. Enjoy the CPI report. We'll be talking about it on Wednesday, as I said. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.